What about you, Tyler? Do you ever have to compete between? I mean, man, you you chose you chose getting married over Litwick Community Day, and that's crazy. I can't believe you made that sacrifice. Well, I knew we get Litwick back in December, so it was kind of an easy choice. Uh. <laughs> You're tuned into the GoCast podcast, your one-stop shop for updates, news, tips, and community in the world of Pokemon Go. Thank you for listening. Time to dust off the grindstone. The Mythic Blade event is here. The final Sword of Justice gallops into Pokemon Go. December Community Day proves once again that even an event can be a gift. Why don't you catch someone your own size? Well, now you can with a new update. And more on this episode of GoCast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GoCast podcast. It's December 9th. It's actually a Friday afternoon, <laughs> strangely enough. This is episode 217. I'm your host, Chris. And with me, not as always, but we, he's not a, a you know a stranger to this this podcast. I'm joined by Tyler or Team Magma. Tyler, hey Tyler, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for stepping in. Kyle was unavailable this week, and Tyler was gracious enough to accept an invitation to pop in. So thank you very much. So for those of us that might not remember uh, your cameos on the Modcast, and uh, you know, did you get a chance to hop into the the GoFest recordings, the recap recordings we did, any of those? Uh, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think you uh, were leaving when we did the ones for Indianapolis, right? Right, so, yeah. Right, that's right. You, I think you had to get back or something like that that same night. Um, but but like I said, Tyler is no stranger to our, our show. He's actually one of our mods uh, for the Discord community as well um, and frequents a lot of our in-person events. But for those of, uh, those of you at home that might not know, Tyler, why don't you kind of give us um, – like a brief overview, like uh, what got you into Pokemon? Uh, what team do you play in Go? What's your favorite Pokemon? Stuff like that. Well, what got me into Pokemon was I liked the TV show as a kid, and my parents bought me the video games, and I got into that, the trading card game. And then I was actually an Ingress player before Pokemon Go came out. Ooh, so oh I was familiar with Niantic. And when they merged the two, it was like, this is the perfect game for me. So do you still play Ingress? No, I don't. Okay. Did you try to play both for a while? And then you're just like, nah, just Pokemon. Or did Pokemon come out and you're like, well, I guess I'm just moving on. Yeah, once Pokemon came out, I kind of just dropped Ingress and gave all my attention to Go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think a lot of people are like that. Although there are some people that are just like diehards. They, you know, they were doing Wizards Unite, Go, and Ingress all at once. And uh, Pikmin Bloomers, they're, they're doing the same thing now too, but... I don't got time for that. Who does? It's a lot of time. <laughs> it is. It really, really is. But yeah, so Kyle is not with us this week. We send him, uh, you know, positive vibes and all those good things. He just uh, could not make it work this week. So no worries there, but he will be back. Don't you worry. None of you conspiracy theorists out there. Put those tinfoil hats away. Uh, but before we get started here for real, a shout out to our patron supporters and our patron community. Um, thank you so much for supporting the show, and it's just lovely being in Discord with y'all. Thanks so much. So this is where we would normally review goals, <laughs> but Kyle is not here. But fortunately, I do have knowledge on at least one of his goals, 
and I can make an educated guess on the other one. He only set two. So I think we'll be okay. Uh, but really quick, you know, we had the, oh, the Hoenn mega uh, event raid day uh, this past weekend. And I wanted to get all the new megas. I did do that. Three shinies. I actually caught like seven. <laughs> I caught two of each, no, three septile and two of the other ones. Uh, and then hatch 50 eggs, which I did not manage to do. I think I was actually short at like 27. Not a lot of walking for me this past week, unfortunately. Scarlet and Violet is just too strong. Uh, and then for Kyle, he wanted to participate in the raid day and then get half a million experience. I know he did the raid day because I saw him in a lot of lobbies. <laughs> and I'm assuming he got his 500,000 experience because he had an egg going and he did a lot of raids. So I'm going to give this week to to Mr. Kyle, uh, big ups. He's not even here to celebrate bummer, <laughs> but yeah. So Tyler, uh, just because you didn't have goals to really talk about this week, what did you end up doing? Like for raid day, did you get a chance to play recently? Any cool catches? What's been going on and go for you? I did some of those mega raids just to get enough mega energy to evolve all three. And then I've just been grinding, just normal grinding, trying to get stardust. What is your current like, goal right now? What are you getting Stardust for? Are you just maxing stuff out? Uh, PvP Pokemon. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, so Tyler. Tyler's more of a PvP-centric player than I am, or Kyle is. So this is going to be a fresh a fresh experience because we've got some PvP-related feedback, I think, somewhere in here. I'm excited to actually have a qualified opinion here. <laughs> cool. So, great. Did, wait, do you have any hundos of the Hoenn starters? Because that's... A sticking point for me is that I don't have any. I have a Hundo Blaziken and oh. a Hundo Septile. I'm very jealous. I've got like 96% of each of them and nothing better. Ugh, dang. Still looking out for that Swampert though. That's right. We're always on the hunt for a Swampert. And if you already have a Hundo Swampert, you could probably use a second one, to be honest. You know. Yeah, true. That's true. Mm-hmm. All right. What? Well, without further ado, let's hop into the news here. Yo, what up? It's the news. All right. So we've got several news stories to talk about this week. This first event in particular, I think, has been talked about quite a bit online. I've seen a lot of polarizing comments on it, but it is the the Mythic Blade event. To be specific, the headline says, keep sharp during the Mythic Blade event. How cute is that? And they wrote, trainers, have you heard the sound of hooves or seen a blur gliding across the water recently? Then you might have caught a glimpse of the mythical Pokemon Keldeo, the Colt Pokemon. And that's C-O-L-T, not C-U-L-T. I was listening to it super effective. I thought that Steve said the Colt Pokemon. And I got really excited because I find that stuff fascinating. Bummer. Ordinary form Keldeo will soon be coming to the world of Pokemon Go in a ticketed special research story event. But regardless of whether you have a ticket, trainers can enjoy the appearance of other fighting type Pokemon alongside Keldeo's arrival. When is this happening? It's actually been live for a bit here. It's been live since Tuesday of this week. We just haven't had a chance to record to talk about it yet. So since Tuesday, December 6th at 10 a.m., to Sunday, December 11th at 8 p.m. local time. So this is ending at the end of this weekend. Something extraordinary is coming this way. Now, this is kind of the, the big part, this ticketed portion. For $7.99 US or the equivalent pricing tier in your local currency, you'll be able to pick up these exclusive special research stories, something extraordinary during the weekend. Spark has taken a blurry picture by the waterfront, but of what? 
Could it be a Pokemon we haven't seen before? You can work with Professor Willow to find the answer. Tickets will be available to purchase. They already are now. Uh, there was a weird period of time uh, where it like was late. Something like that. People were talking about how they couldn't see tickets. Um, I don't know if you saw any of that chatter or not. Tyler, were you were you waiting to buy a ticket? Have you bought a ticket? Are you going to? I just bought the ticket now. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. This, so this was kind of news to you. It was. <laughs> well, here we go. Uh, ticket holders will gain access to the special research story during the Mythic Blade event. To receive this special research, you must open Pokemon Go at some point between Saturday at 10 a.m. and Sunday at 8 p.m. local time. After you've received the special research, you can complete it at any time. Now, if you're new to Go, this is not a new thing, but it is a little confusing the first couple of times you see it. If you bought the ticket, which gives you access to the special research, unless you open up the game, during that period of time, you're not even going to get the research that you paid for. You have to open it during that time. It's a weird sticking point for some people, understandably so. Um, but I don't know how else to feel about it. That's always how these games have, this game has been, you know. Um, what what else, what is similar to this? I can't even think of something that's similar to this, Tyler. This like marketing scheme here. <laughs> I guess they want you to come back to the app and make sure you actually claim it. Yeah, I think that might be it. I just don't understand why they just wouldn't give it to us at the beginning of it, but you can't do it until, I don't know. Maybe that would just be too much coding, you know? That's out of my pay grade. <laughs> Mine too, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. <laughs> Pretend like we know what we're talking about. <laughs> Other special research rewards include the following. A Keldeo t-shirt avatar item that's in-game to clarify. 14 rare candies. What a strange number. Uh, 12 silver pineapple berries, two incubators, two super incubators, two incense, various fighting type and water type Pokemon encounters, and more. Uh, debuts for the ticketed event is Keldeo, the Colt Pokemon. We'll talk more about that Pokemon later. And increased incense encounters. For ticket holders, the following Pokemon will appear more frequently when trainers use incense, excluding daily adventure incense, during the event. And those increased instance encounters include Machop, Hitmonlee, Hitmonchan, Hitmontop, Beldum, Timpole, and Pharaseed, all of which can be shiny. Now, excitingly, for the non-ticketed experience, because this is still an event, it just has a ticketed experience nested in the middle of it, but for non-ticketed players, and this, I also guess, includes ticketed players, uh, there's going to be another debut all the same. Crabrawler, the boxing Pokemon, makes its Pokemon Go debut. Crabrawler! I love Cabrawler. Tyler, how do you feel about Cabrawler? I think it's a good design. I love it. But but Crabomitable is even better. I love the name too. It's a good one. It's not Clawitzer and Clauncher. Those are still better, but it's pretty close. Eh, debatable. Really? Which one do you like better? Crabomitable. Really? I do. Of, other than Clawitzer? Yeah. Oh, we got to have like a tier list, man. That would be fun. A tier list of crabs or... No, just like good, clever names. Like crabs would work too. Uh, wild encounters during this event. So this is just base for everybody. You'll be seeing Mankey, Machop, Hitmonlee, Hitmonchan, Hitmontop, Combuskin, Makuhita, Meditite, Monferno. And if you're lucky, you might encounter Polyrath and Crabrawler. Uh, I can confirm I've seen several Crabrawlers out in the wild. I don't think they're as rare as all that. Uh, so that's nice. I had one as a house spawn. 
Whoa, nice. Let's go. Didn't Good thing to wake to up too. Yeah. Uh, and did you pineapple it? Of course. Silver pineapple. Silver pineapple. Wow. For a for a regular field spawn. Wow. I have plenty of those. I can get rid of some. Fair enough. Yeah. I always have like a healthy like 70 just sitting there. I'm like, what am I using you for? What am I doing here? 70, huh? I think so. Let me see. Actually, I don't want to lie to you. Oh, 226. I I did lie to you. Wow. (laughs) Trying to downplay it. Oh, man. How many do you have? 125. Dang. Dang. I got to start using them. Wow, that's taking up space. But what about raids? Yeah, we've gotten a little bit of a raid shakeup during this event too. In one star, you'll see Metatype, Buizel, Timber, and Timpole. Three star will feature Polyrath, Aerodactyl, Skarmory, and Breloom. Five star, there was Verizine at the beginning of this event, but that time has now passed. So now you'll see Terrakian. And in Mega Raids, you'll see the man, the myth, the legend, Mega Agron himself. Uh, the featured attack for this period is any sorts of justice. So, you know, Terrakian or Verizian that were caught during this period will know the move Sacred Sword. Sacred Sword's not new, but it is quite good move. It's a fighting type move. Field research task encounters include that Galarian Farfetch that you're missing for your collection challenge, as well as Hitmonlee, Hitmonchan, and Hitmontop. And speaking of collection challenges, there is one. <laughs> and you will receive a fast TM and one charge TM in addition to the most important part, which is that number on your metal that goes up. So that's pretty much it for this event. Tyler, I'm curious. I mean, fighting type events are always kind of hype just inherently because the shinies are good and people like Machops to have Machamps on their teams ready as raid counters and stuff, right? Uh, but how are you feeling about this event? Uh, it sounded like it was new to you when we were talking about the ticketed portion at the very least. Uh, but what's your what's been in your experience and what sort of value do you think this event has? Anytime I can get more Machop Excel candy, I will do it. That's a very concise answer. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Well, what about the other question? The the big the big caparaja in the room is the ticket worth the price of 799 US. I will buy it anyways even if it's not. My man, I'm in the same boat. But just for the sake of it, let's compare this to like the Galarian Mr. Mime event. The amount of items that we're getting in this is definitely worth more than the ticket price, so that's that's nice. Uh but 14 rare candies seems like an arbitrary amount, and so does 12 silver pineapples. Why is it not just 15 and 15? Um, and give us rare candy XLs, you cowards. Yes, please, <laughs> please. Yeah. I guess they wouldn't want to do that in case you are under level 30, right? Fair. Um, but then they could just turn into regular rare candies, right? That would just be nice. Makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are there any fighting or water Pokemon missing from this list that you are confused about? Fighting or waters that are missing? Yeah. Oh, geez. I have one. I've got one. Yeah. I'm a little upset that Shroomish isn't in the wild. Shroomish? Yeah, we've got Breloom and three star raids. Fighting type, you know. I kind of, even though it's not really a fighting type yet until it evolves, I like being able to shiny hunt Shroomish. And I feel like a lot of people do. So it seems kind of like a, a logical addition in my opinion, but I could see why not, you know? I guess that makes some sense. Maybe they could have given us Heracross. Oh yeah, that would have been nice. Oh, I, I wish they would start doing stuff like that. Like now that we've had the tour, everybody has a Heracross that wants one, right? 
uh, the shiny's been released, you know, it'd be that would be a really cool thing. Put it in raids. We'll pay for it. You exactly. Know? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one for sure. That's a good call out. Also, one that's missing, uh, phalanx. I would like to see more phalanx. Oh yeah, phalanx doesn't really have any other sort of event to shine in. Uh, so this is sort of a missed opportunity for sure. Much like how it doesn't have bug is one of its typing is a missed opportunity, but that's a story for another day. That doesn't make any sense to me, <laughs> like at all. Uh, anyway, so th- that event seems like it's going to be interesting. And this ticketed event, I'm excited to, to do it. Um, I was gifted a ticket. Thank you very much, Ryan. You're the best. Uh, and I'm very interested in seeing how this shakes out. It'll be cool to talk about next week. All right. So next piece of news here is the December 2022 Community Day. And I think the big question here is, is it everything we wanted and more? Let's find out. Trainers, the year is nearly behind us, which means it's time to reflect on all the fun everyone had during this year's Community Days. The last Community Day of 2022 will take place over two days, as it has been for the past couple of years, a few years maybe, Saturday, December 17th, and Sunday, December 18th. Throughout the event, Pokemon featured in Community Day events in 2022 will appear more frequently in the wild and in timed research. While Pokemon featured in Community Day events throughout 2021 will hatch from eggs and appear in raids in timed research. There's no better way to wrap up the year than by catching Pokemon from Community Day events you may have missed. Or if you didn't miss them, I guess just getting some more. It's usually how I view these. So when is it? They already mentioned uh, Saturday, December 17th and Sunday, December 18th. The exact hours of the events, the days themselves, the community days rather themselves will be from 2 to 5 p.m. local time. One thing I wish that they had done with these two day community days is done an 11 to 2 and a 2 to 5. If they're not going to give us the six hours, that's kind of a bummer, I think. Yeah, only having it for three hours at the exact same time, both days. Yeah, we didn't get a chance, I think, Tyra, to really talk about it, at least not like an official recorded capacity. But how do you feel about the change from the six to the three hours for community days? I was not a fan of it because I know the research said that people only played three hours, but it was the freedom that the player could play any three hours they wanted, not the designated three hours Niantic gives us. I, I definitely agree. I think a lot of us sort of came down on that side of the fence for sure. Is three hours enough? I mean, yeah, probably, but that's not the point, right? Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, But let's, I mean, this is our reality we're living in here, I guess. So let's just (laughs) talk about what we've got. Uh, Event bonuses for both of these days. You'll see two times XP for catching Pokemon, two times Stardust for catching, half hatch distance when eggs are placed into incubators during the event, two times candy for catching, two times chance for trainers level 31 and up to receive XL candy from catching Pokemon, Lure modules activated during the event will last for three hours and incense activated during the event will last for three hours as well. Uh, One additional special trade can be made for a maximum of two per day. Trades made during the event will require 50% less Stardust. Um, And those last two, there's kind of a little note. Uh, While most bonuses are only active during like the event periods of two to five both days, those bonuses, those last two, the trade ones about the Stardust and having an extra special trade, will actually be active from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. local time. So 9 to 9. So you have a couple of extra hours on the front and back end to take advantage of the trading bonuses, which is always really quite nice. Featured Pokemon. This is kind of the big thing. Hopefully there's no surprises here. If there are, you just weren't paying attention. 
<laughs> a different set of Pokemon will be featured on each event day, uh, Saturday, December 17th, and Sunday, December 18th. The Pokemon that appear during this time will have the same chance of appearing as a shiny Pokemon as those that appear during their original community days. So increase shiny odds. Outside of these times, any of the featured Pokemon may appear from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. local time on either of the days. Here are the following Pokemon that will be featured on the Saturday portion. Sandshrew, Alolan Sandshrew, Alolan Geodude, Hoppip, Sveal, and Stuffle. And on Sunday, you'll see Tadirsa, Galarian Zigzagoon, Starly, Roggenrola, Litwick, and Dino. And both days, if you're lucky, you might encounter Bulbasaur, Dratini, uh, or Mudkip. Now, those last three feel strange, but they're the Community Day Classic Pokemon that we got, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's just cool to see them included, I guess. I don't know how to feel about it. Tyler, how do you think they could have handled the community day classic Pokemon better? Should they have included them at all? Do you think? I think they should have just included them into the normal spawns for the community days. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what the, what the thought process is behind making it rare. Uh, as opposed to just including it in the pools. Not, maybe just because they wanted those spawns to span both days and didn't want them to eke out the other spawns in the pool, perhaps? That can be it. I guess. But Dratini is like a rare spawn. I get that. But Bulbasaur and Mudkip. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, where, that's... that's where I get lost, at least. <laughs> in raids, there's going to be a huge shakeup for one stars. Uh, Machop, Eevee, Roselia, Swablu, Duskull, Shinx, Gibble, Snivy, Tepig, Oshawott, and Fletchling, uh, and those are the only raids. I don't think that's to say that there won't be other raids happening, but in the one-star pool, that's what we'll see. Same deal for eggs. In the one-star equivalent of eggs, the two-kilometer egg, we'll be seeing Machop, Eevee, Swablu, Duskull, Shinx, Gibble, Snivy, Tepig, Oshawott, and Fletchling, but in addition, you could also hatch a Badoo. Yay, more shiny Badoo. Woo! <laughs> That's exciting. And then we have this huge list of featured attacks. Before we get there, um, now, Tyler, we didn't get a chance at the top. I didn't actually ask you, but you're a PvP player. But do you hatch eggs? Do you do raids? Are you a shiny hunter? When you're not PvPing, how are you playing this game? Most of the time I'm hatching eggs as I walk for a living, and it's just easy enough for me to open the game, hatch some eggs, put them back in, and keep working. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I will participate in some raids, just as long as someone invites me or I can find enough people to do it with. Cool. So then from that perspective, from this egg pool, anything interesting for you, or are you going to avoid the two-kilometer egg pool because it's just full of stuff you already have? Uh, I'll just throw it in the incubator, and whatever comes, comes. That's a good attitude to have. I, I kind of feel like that's just how I've been feeling a lot lately because the egg pools are so hit or miss, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the, the real selling point here is this featured attacks list, right? This is where the money is. If you have a 100% Pokemon and you miss the community day and you don't want to use an elite TM, this is kind of how you get it done. The following featured Pokemon will be available when evolving to the following Pokemon, except Ursaluna on Saturday, December 17th and Sunday, December 18th from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. local time. Venusaur with Frenzy Plant, Sand Slash with Night Slash, Alolan Sand Slash with Shadow Claw, Alolan Golem, uh, Rollout, Dragonite, Draco Meteor, Jumpluff, Acrobatics, Swampert, Hydro Cannon, put an asterisk by that one. That's an important one, y'all. 
Wall ring with powder snow and icicle spear. If you're a PvPer, I'm not sure if wall ring is still very good, but wall ring was good when it came out. Is it still viable? Tyler? Yes, it's still viable. It's just not as strong as it once was. It's just not the hot topic anymore. Right. Okay, well, there you go. That's another asterisk if you want a good PvP Pokemon. Staraptor with Gust, Gigalith with Meteor Beam, which is pretty good DPS, actually. Chandelier with Poltergeist, wouldn't bother. Hydreigon with Brutal Swing, double star that one. Very good pickup. Beware with Drain Punch, Obstagoon with Obstruct, and even though they said we couldn't get it, Ursaluna with High Horsepower. <laughs> Just being completionists. And listen to all the same, I guess. Uh, any highlights from this list that I, I failed to point out? No, most of them are PvP relevant. Just mm -hmm. some of them are more raid DPS, and some of them are just not really that worth it at all. The Venusaur with Frenzy Plant, I think, is, is also notable, yeah. I love my Staraptor with Gust, but I don't really have a good legitimate reason to use it. <laughs> because it's not good. That's a shame. Yeah, get out of my head. You're right. <laughs> Um, Community Day Special Research Story, December Community Day 2022. It's going to be a buck or whatever your equivalent price in tier is. Pretty standard fare there. Timed research. There will be timed research. Mm -hmm. It's going to lead to encounters with Pokemon featured during the Community Days. Nothing special there. And stickers. You'll be able to get 2022 Community Day stickers by spinning Pokestops, opening gifts, purchasing them in the game shop. Again, nothing new there. So if you miss some of those stickers, especially now that the sticker book is out and you're trying to go back and collect some or pin them or whatever the case might be, now's a good chance to pick up the ones you're missing. It might be one of the only chances you get, if not the only. <laughs> All right. So that's it for Community Day, December 2022. Tyler, any thoughts, any Pokemon in particular you're hyped to catch again? Uh, I miss out on some of these. The Chandelier, I was busy getting married during that. So How dare you? By the way, congratulations. That did happen rather recently. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I missed that. I'm happy to get some shinies there. A lot of these are just good to have in general. So I'll catch anything and everything. Is there any one that you like need more candy? Like There's Machop in, in one star raids and two kilometer uh, eggs, but I don't think you're going to try to focus those since they've just been in the wild for an event like this, right? Right. Uh, Sandslash is good because you can max out both Alolan and regular Sandslash for Great League. And I have a Shundo Sandslash. Regular Sandslash? Regular, yeah. Oh, man. My man. OG Sandslash. Let's go. So I know Alolan Sandslash gets some play in PvP Cups and especially in self tournaments. Does regular Sandslash get any play? Uh, it's going to be like a specialty tournament. Okay. But yeah, it's it's the typing kind of a bummer it's such a cool pokemon i love it's it's beautiful red quills in the shiny looks real nice yeah and then the second to last news piece here let's just move on there uh i'm kind of actually excited about this because it just adds another collection element to this game albeit potentially an extremely frustrating one i guess we'll see new pokemon sizes have been discovered in pokemon go trainers time to break out the scales trainers have recently discovered double extra small and double extra large Pokemon. Pokemon such as Poochiena, Mightyena, and Mawile have recently been observed in these sizes. And your Pokedex has been updated to start tracking the sizes of the Pokemon that you catch. We wonder if other Pokemon may have undiscovered sizes as well. Keep a sharp eye out, trainers. Will you try to find these elusive Pokemon and update the records in your Pokedex? Let's go. All right, so really quick. 
Is there? A, I think there's a new medal for this, isn't there? Who checks medals these days? Yo, I do. I just hit 50. I, I just got to stop caring about them is really what I meant to say. Tiny Pokemon collector. Catch five extra, extra small Pokemon. What does that look like? That's a little triangle next to a Pikachu. Do I need to update my game, Christopher? I think I do. It would be at the very bottom because you obviously haven't done that. See, the thing is, though, is that I heard some people talking about how it seemed to be rather retroactive. Is it? I only have three extra, extra small Pokemon. Maybe that's because I'm not catching as much good true <laughs> no i've got 43 uh extra extra small and uh 47 extra extra large then so, must yeah, have been, unless you're hardcore grinding i'm definitely not <laughs> definitely not right this second so interesting all right well that's kind of cool it does seem like it's retroactive that's good to know uh more sizes of pokemon are appearing in pokemon go uh yep these sizes are out and this pokemon the three that they mentioned they're the ones you can, I think, see the most right now. I don't really know what that means. I don't know if that means that it's only those Pokemon that are being counted or if they will have a higher likelihood of being these sizes for a hot minute. Kind of hard to say. I don't know how to interpret it. What do you think, Tyler? I'm dumbfounded by this. I have no idea if what this is. If it's just introducing all Pokemon are being, being able to be extra, extra small in XXL now. Yeah, it says these sizes have been observed in the following Pokemon so far, and it lists again Poochyena, Mightyena, and Mawile. It just it's just very strange. It's very strange. Uh, but what's cool is there's new encounter animations when you encounter a double extra small or a double extra large Pokemon. Uh, there's like little sparkles that like go out if it's big and in if it's small. Uh, so don't get fooled. They didn't update the shiny animation, and your game is bugged or something. They just added animations for sizes because that's that's cool. Visible size variation. Double extra large and double extra small Pokemon are visually larger or smaller than their standard sizes when you observe them in an encounter or adventure with them as your buddy. So I suppose that is to say that they won't appear as different sizes on uh, the overworld map before you catch them. But after that, they will exhibit those changes. But doesn't Pumpkaboo... Isn't Pumpkaboo bigger on the map? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Pumpkaboo has visual size differences on the map. I'm not sure if they're just like drawing a line in the sand. It won't do that, right? For all of them? Must be something tricky to do for them. I don't know, man. But how tricky could it be? You just like you tie a variable of of like whatever your your Y value is for the height of the Pokemon, right? Or scale, right? You just do, oh, if it's double extra small. It's 70% of its regular size. <laughs> like, I would love to see some, some things that are extra, extra small on the map. Oh, yeah. I would love to see a double extra small Meltan, uh, and then you just can't click on it. <laughs> Our fingers are too big. We crush it. Poor thing. <laughs> or something that's really tiny that's extra, extra large, and it's just Ooh. massive. Oh, yeah. You think it's something else because you're not used to seeing it that big? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sizes will now be tracked in the Pokedex. Once you catch at least three of any one Pokemon, your Pokedex will begin to showcase your records for the largest, smallest, heaviest, and lightest specimens that you have caught. And when you break these records, this is actually, I think, the coolest thing. There's new celebratory messages for breaking records. Trainers who catch a double extra small or double extra large Pokemon or find similar extra small or XL size Pokemon than they caught previously can enjoy a new celebratory message when they break their record. And again, they reiterate that in order to see that you need to catch at least three of any particular species. 
So again, let's let's take a look. I'm going to take a look at my um, my Poochiana in my Pokedex and see if they're showing me my record for that because that'll be telling. Oh, it's showing me my records for other species as well, not just them. So for Poochiana right now, it's showing me that my lightest is 8.92 kilograms and up to 20.11 kilograms. And my smallest is 0.38 meters and my largest is 0.59. That's pretty cool. I'm interested to see what the animation looks like when you pull these up, when you break them. I found one that's my lightest. It just says lightest under the weight and shortest under the height. Oh, in your inventory? Like your Pokemon yeah. inventory? Yeah. I was looking at my... Oh, it does say that. Okay, so I just hatched a Husuian quillfish today, right? One of the ones from like my set of nine, seven Ks. And it says lightest under its weight too. So I must have broken a record with that one pretty recently. That's pretty wild. Cool. That's cool looking. We like more details in this game. But that's pretty much it for that piece of news. Uh, it's just the sizes are added. And this is just kind of a quality of life thing. It just adds stuff to it size then pokemon go for anything it does not really matter at all like you're not going to do more damage with a double xl pokemon or anything like that and the main series game isn't there a move that does more damage based on weight yeah there's a ton of them there's there's a lot of them that have that deal with uh, based on weight uh weight differentials if you're lighter than somebody else uh speed differentials too like a lot of things that just won't carry over here like low kick you know or seismic toss Right. But thankfully, Scarlet and Violet has just scratched that itch for me. So I get to be less salty about it. <laughs> Very true. Mm -hmm. The last piece of news here is kind of a cursory one, unless you happen to be in the country where this is happening. Trainers, we're excited to announce that we've added Bahasa Indonesia language support to Pokemon Go. You can now set your in-game language to Bahasa Indonesia. Whether you're just starting your adventure or you're a seasoned trainer, we're elated to embark on this journey with you as we work to make Pokemon Go available to even more people. Our aim is to regularly improve and update the Bahasa Indonesia language version of Pokemon Go. Details about upcoming events will be published in Bahasa Indonesia on the blog, on Instagram, at Pokemon Go App ID, and on Facebook at Pokemon Go App ID. So when is this event happening that is that there they didn't mention it, but there is an, a special event that's happening to celebrate this launch. Right. Uh, and that is happening from, well, this past November 30th up to January 8th, Sunday at 8 p.m. local time. And there's a lot of details for this event. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. But since it's just very specific for one one region, as exciting as it is. I'm just going to briefly go over it. There's going to be field research, timed research, bonuses. And from the looks of all of them, they're like, a, hey, let's get you kind of up to speed. Here's some hatching things quickly, some extra stardust, uh, some encounters with like popular Pokemon that are very powerful, like the Kanto starters and being able to evolve them for their community moves and stuff like that. And they will have limited time boxes, too. But they're like one time pickup boxes. So don't worry. You don't need to change your location to Indonesia to get boxes worth buying. It's not It's not like that. <laughs> it's for new players. <laughs> it's just great to see this. Not, not only are they adding like language support, but 
make it into like a big event so that they like, hey, pay attention, everybody. But I also wonder how much of this is regional dialects of the same language. I wonder how much of that they're going to do if they're going to start doing stuff like that, you know? I don't know. Because like like my understanding of Spanish is that like Spanish in Mexico and Spanish in Spain are very different, right? Right. Or different enough. So I wonder if those sorts of things reflect in the game or not. That's a good Not question. Sure. Yeah. If anybody knows, please send us an email, mail at I'd love to hear about it. But I think that's going to do it for the news section. So a lot of exciting, cool stuff, some quality of life things, the community day for December, and of course, this current Mythic Blade event. Uh, and if this episode gets out to you after that event happens, I, I hope that you had a good event. And if you got your Keldeo ticket, let's hope you got your Keldeo. All right, cool. We're going to skip over gear up this week since we don't have the man himself here. And we're just going to go right into Pokalore instead. And this week, we're going to be talking about Keldeo, the cult Pokemon. Take it away, Tyler. Keldeo is a quadrupedal cult-like Pokemon with a cream-colored body. It has a short, rounded snout with large nostrils and blue eyes. It has a large feathery red mane, long dark blue ridged eyebrow-like protrusions, and a single cream-colored horn that curves slightly. The back of its head, as well as its neck, is covered with fluffy light blue fur. Fluffy. I love fluffy. Yeah, we all love fluffy. Keldeo has blue hooves, which are capable of ejecting water. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a weird choice of word. Eject water. How else would you phrase that? I don't know, like shoot water, project water. Eject kind of makes it sound like it was storing water in there. Maybe it is. (laughs) I guess so. Read on. Maybe they explain it. (laughs) Its tail is light blue with white spots and resembles an elaborate feather and a cap. They're supposed to be like the musketeers, right? The swords of justice? I think so. So isn't there like one of the three, isn't like the fourth musketeer, isn't it like a kid that's trying to fit in with the three musketeers, right? I have no knowledge of the three musketeers. I vaguely, neither do I. I vaguely remember somebody explaining this to me. And if that's the case, the elaborate feather in a cap thing like fits that motif perfect, perfectly. So, huh. Moving on. Caudio is the only known Pokemon capable of learning this move, Secret Sword. Upon learning this move, Caudio transforms into its resolute form. The dark blue protrusions become shorter and lighter in color, resembling ears. Its horn becomes dark blue and grows larger and rigid. On the side of its head are three feathers, colored aqua blue, green, and orange. It is thought that when Kelio becomes resolute, its body fills with power and it becomes swifter. The horn on its forehead is filled with hidden power. Ooh. The horn can change into a sword that can cut through anything. Anything. I'm hoping. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying. Anything seems... These, uh... Pokédex entries make these Pokémon seem incredibly dangerous. <laughs> I know, I, I know. I also just love it when it's not even like it's not even just like a far-fetched number, right? It's not like a, oh, this Pokémon can bench press two dump trucks. It's like the, the the horn can change into a sword that can cut through anything. What does that mean? Of course it can't. I gotta say really quick, the horn on its forehead is filled with hidden power. That's so unfortunate. Hidden power is a terrible move. It is. Yeah, I, know, I think that's it's probably not what they mean, but that's the way I'm going to take it. That's canon, headcanon for me now. Which type hidden power? Anything you want? No, normal. Normal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for Keldeo. Keldeo was trained by the other members of the Swords of Justice. 
Keldio tends to cross the world and often appears at beautiful watersides. Keldio also travels in order to further improve itself through training. Like Goku? I think so. Yeah, that sounds about right. It can walk across the water by ejecting water from its hooves. It uses the same word again, man. It is said Keldio must endure harsh battles in order for the forehead horn to develop, which then its true power will be awakened. So that hidden power becomes found power. Found power. Yeah. New move. Found power. (laughs) Found power. (laughs) Unhidden power. There it is, power. In Generation 5, Sacred Sword was one of its signature moves. Max CP for Keldeo at level 40 is 3698. Holy cow. And at level 50 is 4181. That's a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. Seems pretty good. Mm-hmm. It has 209 stamina, 192 defense, and 260 attack. Oh, mama, that attack stat's pretty good. Best moveset would be low kick with hydro pump and sacred sword. You can make an argument for aqua jet, um, but this was the moveset that was going to get you stab with high damaging moves. Sacred sword is also like the special move. That's going to be the elite TMable move. Hydro pump is already in there. You can also have aqua jet which I'm assuming if this Pokemon has any play in PvP, you'd probably want something like that instead of Hydro Pump. Uh, but yeah. Does it know any better fast moves? No. Lame. <laughs> Let's see. Let me see. I think it's only two moves. It's uh, Poison Jab and Low Kick. Poison Jab might be something. It would be interesting Like if you ran this and they tried to Fairy Block you, you could Poison Jab them into next week with, with your such high attack stat, I suppose. Um, but here are the other charge moves. So there, there's four charge moves, uh, not including Sacred Sword. There's Aqua Jet, three bar charge move, 45 damage, water type. Close Combat, one bar charge move, 100 damage, not very good. Hydro Pump, one bar uh, charge move, 130 damage, it's a big boy. And X Scissor, 45 damage, three bar charge move. Uh, you should not run X's, I don't think, at any point in time, unless you want to use it against a psychic type. I don't know. Some Actually, every single time I talk about not bringing one of these, it seems like it actually probably would have a use. It has some, like, coverage. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> smells like coverage in here. That's for sure. You're right. And maybe I'll just stop theory crafting. Because <laughs> every time it seems like it might be not too not too bad. Uh, but I would love nothing more than to hear that Keldeo is suddenly very usable in PvP and is fun to use or something. I actually like that Pokemon. I used it in the TCG. I never played the Gen 5 games until late. Mm-hmm. So I played TCG before that, and I used Keldeo in the TCG, and it was pretty strong. Oh, what was the what was the strategy like? You, uh, I think you couldn't be hit by GX cards or something like that. And it was when everyone was running GX. Oh, sure. So they didn't really have a way to damage you. Well, I'm hoping that Keldeo, like I said, is also just as usable in Go as apparently it was in the TCG for you. I need to give the TCG another visit. But that's it for the Pokalore. If you are interested in Keldeo, I hope that you grabbed yours this weekend from that ticketed event. And if not, you know, I'm sure we'll have another option, another chance to to get it. Um, They're pretty good about that. But we have not been clearly signaled if that's going to be the case or when. Uh, So hopefully if you really, really wanted it, snag that ticket. But let's move along here to the Poka Poll. So last week's question was, how do you feel the Pokemon Go tour events stack up to Pokemon Go Fest events? Which one do you look forward to the most and why? Got a lot of responses. And one of our first responses here from the Discord was from Nick Bunce, 
tours all the way because I love the generational catch challenges. Go fests always feel a little disparate for me and the biomes can be tenuous at best and boring at worst. But when you have a narrative that works like the pop rock show from a few years back, they're genuinely compelling. If they were all like that, they would be significantly more exciting. Both can be fun if you know where to set your expectations. Remember the words increased chance does not mean guaranteed, whether that's shinies or last week's candy XL debacle. Ooh, yeah, that's a good way to bring that all in. Wow. I think that's good advice. I think making sure that you read these things and taking them at face value is really, really important uh, because if you set the incorrect expectations and you let yourself get disappointed by them. I, I strongly believe that you are the one at fault there. <laughs> I don't know. Does this uh, resonate true with you, Tyler? Has there been a, a, a event that you've been truly, truly disappointed in? And then you were like, Oh, I guess this was not actually promised to me. No, I've kind of learned to temper my expectations and just try to enjoy the event as is and not get upset about anything. Yeah. That being said, though, uh, the increased chance for XL candy or candy XL rather from the Hoenn raid day stuff. I, even I think that rate was a little bit too low from what I was seeing report wise. Thank you very much for the response. Nick Muntz. Appreciate it, man. The next one is from Venus Prime. And they said, I can't compare the GoFest at location experience, but as a global event, I do prefer GoTour just because it's more consistent. I know that I'll be getting a lot of things from that generation that anything that spawns can be shiny, while GoFest Global can be good, but it can be also be inconsistent, as we saw from GoFest 2022, Global versus the Final. But I tend to just use both as a reason to visit a new city or a city I've not been to in years. I do like that for the Go tours, that everything can be shiny, and that's more of a reason to catch everything, as opposed to GoFest when you kind of want to target one thing that can be shiny or something like that. No, I agree. Um, and the more I've read some of these responses, and I know I said this on the last show too, but I really think that that Go Tours are quickly becoming my my favorite events, even over Go Fest. Like like Go Tours truly feel like a celebration of Pokemon, and Go Fest just sort of feels like a mad dash of like, oh, I have to do this one or two thing that I'm trying to focus on, and you know, like everybody's feeling bad about the shiny rates and talking about stuff, like. Go tours just feel so much more relaxed and true to form, I guess. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but thanks very much for giving us that response. Venus C, this next response is from Modders, also from the Discord. Hello, gents. I don't have a preference. I'm going to sit on the spiky fence on this one, but I do have an opinion. Oh, my man, good. I've been to one in-person GoFest in Dortmund, and that was truly both one of my most amazing experiences, traveling and spending time with Minimot and Tech, fellow GCPC patron on our own Pokemon adventure, but also it was extremely frustrating. Rubbish cell service. Rubbish is the British version of garbage, by the way. I just want everybody to know that. Okay. Running to a phone shop to buy Duran SIM cards so we could play 11 shiny mons for the whole day. And half of those were slack off. Like, come on. Oh my gosh. Oof. <laughs> Of all weekends, why that weekend? Then there are the Go Tours. I've attended none in person, but they tend to give us better rewards both with Pokemon Go in-game rewards, such as Shinies, Dust, XP. But best of all, when we've had enough, we can stop and lure up a couple of stops that just so happen to be in a public watering hole. 
that's nice. The downside, the locals don't really exist anymore, so there is no real IRL experience. So you see, chaps, they both have their pros and their cons. And as you know, I'm easily swayed with the offer of reduced egg hatch distance and a gluttony of raid bosses. I will, however, say this for our upcoming tour. For me, one who many would consider a, quote, whale, unquote, the fact that Niantic are putting the shiny regionals behind an eggy-shaped money wall really isn't cool. How many eggs do they expect people to hatch in one day? Chris, my man, my egg-loving brother from another mother, even we, between us, are going to struggle on this one, mate. As ever, loving your work, chaps. Sorry for the long, and it is long, Pokepole question. Pokepole message. Cheers. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I know I was hype on the eggs last time, but again, I think I got carried away by how cleanly it was formatted <laughs> in the blog. I was really excited to see a very clear delineation between the tiers, the methodology and ideology behind what, which Pokemon, uh, you know, in that category, right. Um, were where they were, but after some review and especially after hearing what you've weighed in with here, monitors, I'm going to have to agree. It's going to be really, really tough. That being said, I'm up to the challenge. I'm up to failing at the challenge is what I really mean to say. Good luck, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. And you're going to be attending uh, the Las Vegas Hoenn tour. I will you? be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So it'll be fun uh, to see how it kind of shakes out egg wise. Are you going to get any of the additional ticket add ons? Not the egg one, but the other ones sound a-okay to me. Yeah, I think the second day one's the good value, actually, because you kind of get an entire day out of it for sure. But yes. yeah, there's no incubators in the egg enthusiast. Man, it's blowing my mind. Blowing my mind. Huh. Well, anyway, Modders, thanks very much for your response. The next one is from Kevin on Spotify. They said, I look forward to GoFest slightly more, only because the shiny rates are increased. The tour events are just as entertaining, with cool twists on gameplay, usually wild legendary dogs and more shinies. I do like, shiny rates are better for GoFest, but everything can be shiny at the Go Tours. So it really depends on, do you want a quantity of shinies or quality? Yeah, I would agree there too. And I think it's also a really cool call out to, to bring up the legendary dogs in the wild, which was a, a rather polarizing choice for people that didn't know where it was coming from. I thought it was cool, albeit frustrating. Um, but yeah, Tyler, what was your experience? I don't think I, I got to pick your brain about that either with the legendary dogs in the wild during Johto tour. It was really cool seeing them, kind of like seeing the Galarian birds in the wild, but it was just not getting in the ball. So every time, very jealous of people with level one sweet goons. My goodness. Uh, but thank you very much for your response, Kevin. And this next one is from Cress, also on Spotify. GoFest is my fave. I'm hopeful for Hoenn, as we're all missing Kecleon. I'm looking forward to Shinies and Story. If they could just introduce Kecleon as a feature like Smeargle and cut Megas, I'd be happy. <laughs> cut the Megas? What do you mean? What do you mean? Do we have Megas? I think Megas are great. We love Megas. But if I had to choose between having Kecleon involved or Megas, I think the answer is very clearly Kecleon. We all want that platinum medal, please. You don't want to know how far we'll go, Niantic. We live so long without Kecleon. We can do a little bit more. Uh, no, dude, that, that medal is, it's personal at this point. I'm still upset. Still a little upset. 
<laughs> I'm also a little upset because apparently they changed the verbiage on the on the blog post for this tour. It originally said, uh, finish your Hoenn Pokedex. And now I think it says something to the effect of catch most of the Hoenn Pokemon for your Pokedex. <laughs> most. Yeah, something like that. And so I'm a little nervous if they're not like, you know, just trying to lowball us to introduce a feature later on that will include Kecleon, hopefully in time for this tour, of course. I'm still skeptical then if we'll see it. Who knows? What's the holdup, man? I don't get it. But Chris, thank you very much for that response. Julia says, if I can play it, I care about it personally. I know this sounds weird, but we don't get many events here in Pittsburgh since I'm still a minor. I can't go to an event as mom and dad won't take me because family plans. I loved the play from home one though. I think it's good that they give everyone a chance to play from home and not having to attend all of, all of these events. I would agree. And I, I think it is really important for those of us that play this game pretty, you know, hardcore, which again, you know, I think this game does really benefit uh, having a disposable income and having a car, right? And things like that. Uh, this game is also just as much for the younger audience as it is for the older audience is actually just as it's probably the most equal distribution of demographic appeal that any Pokemon game has, right? I don't think the other ones are nearly as geared for older folks <laughs> than go is right. Or as go is. So it's important for us to kind of keep the, the perspective, especially when we're talking about is this event good? Is it not? Is the global free experience even worth it? That to somebody like Julius, if they're unable to get out, that that free global version of the event is everything, you know? Uh, so I think that's wonderful. Thank you very much for writing that in, Julius. It's good feedback. And this week's Pokeball question is, it's the holiday season, and there are so many exciting events happening in Pokemon Go. What are some of the best ways you balance playing Pokemon Go and time with family and friends? And I know this is just oddly juxtaposed next to an email that kind of just brought this one up. And I'm pretty sure, I was telling Tyler before we got started, I'm almost positive I've asked this question sometime in the past, something similar at least. But I think it bears bringing back up because not as many people travel as much right now. People are still sort of like, you know, um, skittering around home and stuff. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting question that changes a little bit every single year, but at the, at the core of it is imagine you are, as many of you probably are listening to this, a Pokemon go fan. And I'm actually going to use a real example. His Suian Avalug raid day is on Christmas Eve this year. My family you know, celebrates Christmas, right? So that's what we observe. And for me, I look at that and go, I would really love to take part of this Hisuian Avalug Raid Day. It's a new Pokemon. I love Raid Days. I love Pokemon Go. But I also love my family. <laughs> so if we're going to have an event, like what do I do? What am I supposed to do, right? Uh, what about you, Tyler? Do you ever have to compete between... I mean, man, you you chose you chose getting married over Litwick Community Day, and that's crazy. I can't believe you made that sacrifice. Well, I knew we get Litwick back in December, so it was kind of an easy choice. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Fair enough. Other ways we balance playing Pokemon Go with the family, my now wife and I, we actually go on, when the weather permits, hikes during Spotlight Hour. We just hiked some trails while running some incense to catch some Pokemon. And during raid hours, uh, she'll direct me where to, where the gyms are, and I'll just drive us to the gym, and then we'll just do raids together. Wow. 
that's awesome. So on these hikes, are those places filled with stops or I've actually never really been in a place that normally doesn't have a lot of spawns during spotlight hour. Does it still fill up with spawns? The trails we take have trail markers that are mm. actual Pokestops. So it's easy enough to get enough spawns when oh, we're walking. And you're doing exactly what they want you to do. They want you to walk. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Everybody has a unique way of getting these, these done. So yeah, dear listener, if you have an answer to this question, uh, it's the holiday season and there's many things happening in Pokemon Go. What are some of the best ways you balance playing Pokemon Go and time with family and friends? You can answer the question by post it on Twitter. Uh, you can send us an email to mail at You can send us a voicemail to 262-586-7717. And if you're listening on Spotify on the mobile app, you can answer the Q&A question uh, in the episode description right there. But before we get to any email or voicemail related activities, we're going to pass this on over to Fish and DeFi E uh, for this week's PvP corner. And this week they're going to be talking about the Fighting Cup remix, recent play Pokemon events, and more. Over to the two of you. Hi, I'm Fish on Nahida. And I'm DeFi E250. And this is PvP Corner, the PvP segment that got a huge buff to wing attack. DeFi, what is going on in PvP? Well, last week we had our first meta of the season, the Open Great League and the Great League Remix. How did that go for you, Fish? Uh, so really well. I uh, made a team of Shadow Golbat, Obstagoon, and Double. Double is such a good pivot because it it just spans off those charge moves so fast. The double kick is a great move. It's pretty bulky. Um, I really like it. And also, if I send in double and they have a fighter in the back, then I tend to draw out that fighter, which clears the way for Obstagoon a lot of the time. Now, I did end up switching the Shadow Golbat out for a Frostlass because I was struggling a lot with like your Stunfisk leads, your Frostlass was always difficult. So yeah, I I switched to the Frostlass lead and I've been doing even better with that. And so I am currently at a pretty good win rate of 97 wins out of 154 battles. About, about two thirds. Yeah, that's super solid. Yeah. What about you? Wellfish, I'm currently at 49 wins out of 85 battles. I'm going to quickly consult a calculator. I would say that's a 56% win rate. And I think that's pretty okay. I was mostly just exploring wing attack and trying it on Charizard, trying it on Pelipper, trying it on Noctowl, Mantine, just really kind of getting used to this new buff to the meta. Yeah, it's crazy how big a difference this wing attack buff has made. Like Pelipper's now top meta, Noctowl is is busted you know wing attack is now the preferred move on charizard which we'll get to later uh shadow golbat like i mentioned i mean regular golbat too but uh, like i mentioned there that's a really nice pick uh because of the nerf to poison fang it still takes the same number of wing attacks to get to a poison fang but it does take less wing attacks to get to the shadow ball which is very handy all right. Well, it sounds like we've both had some fun playing around with some new toys in Open Great League and Great League Remix. Let's move on to the meta that starts for us tomorrow as of recording, which is the Open Great League still, still an option, as well as Fighting Cup Remix. We talked about this meta a little bit last week, but the Fighting Cup Remix is the same Fighting Cup that we saw last season, where it's fighting types only, 
bans on psychic types, so no Metacham, no Gallade. But also, we're banning those pesty dragons from last season, Hakamoo and Komoo, as well as Buswol. So we're not going to see that buff pose. I'm really bummed out about it <laughs> because it was so much fun. Also banned is the Hisuian Pokemon that we've all grown to love and hate, which is Sneasler, which is very difficult to get in the Great League range. So I'm very excited to see that banned. Sneasel, though, still an option. If we take a look at the PV Poke Top 10, we've got Toxicroak, the king stop, of the stop. meta. <laughs> that's that's it. That's the whole meta. And next. Yes, fish. But unfortunately, you do need three unique Pokemon. You can't bring in three Toxicroak into Go Battle League. So to round out your Toxicroak team, you will need to give it some friends, some punchy friends. And <laughs> those friends will need to be more than likely. Galarian Farfetch'd, Machamp, Hisuian Sneasel, Shadow Polyrath, Throw, Surfetch'd, also Shadow Machamp, Primeape, Blaziken, and then honorable mention, if you have one, Galarian Zapdos. I do not have a Galarian Zapdos. I've seen many. I've seen so many and so many Great League eligible ones, but they all run from me. So obviously Toxicroak is the meta with the two dragons gone, with Sneasler gone, with Buswell gone. It just cleared the way for Toxicroak dominance. And there's just not a lot to do about it, is there? No. So I covered this in Palatown PvP's most recent five-minute meta video where we took a look at, well, here are the things that can beat Toxicroak in the one shield situation. There were four Pokemon in the entire fighting cup that could do that. Three of them are bait dependent. So Galarian Farfetch'd, Shadow Polyrath, and that new one. What's it called? Crabber something? Crab crab hammer? Crab, um, Crabrawler. Crab, crab, crab brawler. That's it. Um, so that can actually beat Toxicroak in the one shield as well. Uh, all three of those have to successfully bait. So Crabrawler with power up punch, Galarian Farfetch'd with Leaf Blade and Shadow Polyrath with Ice Punch. They all have to get a shield with that move and then land their nuke move afterwards. The only thing in the whole meta that can very comfortably beat a Toxicroak is Throw, and that is with Zen Headbutt. And that's nothing new. That was the case the last go-around as well. But now that Toxicroak is so much more busted than last time around, that's like I'm basically seeing every team is going to have Toxicroak and throw on it, and then it's up to you what you run as your third. Sounds like a rock paper scissors meta to me, fish. It's I I described it as the smallest meta in the history of competitive PvP. It has less than fifty Pokemon, and most of them are not even viable. Like XL yeah. Mindfu, not viable. <laughs> Crabominable. Yeah. Not viable. Crabrawler's new evolution, it's an ice type. You cannot bring an icicle to a fighting, <laughs> to no. the boxing arena. It's not gonna work. XL Scraggy. <laughs> so many of these Pokemon are just not even. Yeah, I think there's only like 11 Pokemon that are above the like 80 mark or something like that in the overall score on pv poke so that like anything 
below like i think anything below like 81 or 80 is going to be pretty hard to make viable in a cup it's like i I always say you can make anything work if you know how to use it but anything below that 81 to 80 mark you're gonna find it harder so yeah so (laughs) basically it's it's toxicroak just just bring a toxicroak Peeking ahead a week, we will have from December 15th to the 22nd, the Open Ultra League as well as Ultra Premier Classic. So Ultra Premier Classic, that is no legendaries, no mythicals, and Classic, the last time we're going to see it, the last season for Classic is no XL Candy Pokemon. When you take a look at that and put those parameters, we talked about it earlier, Charizard, Shadow and Mm. Regular, Running Wing Attack, easily tops the meta followed up we have shadow and regular gliscor trevenant shadow and regular dragonite shadow and regular swampert followed up by Komoo, steelix surfetched auroras now rocking meteor beam mm. as well as shadow wall rain this will be my last opportunity I've, I've there's one pokemon that i've built that normally requires excel and i just built a, a non-excel version of it and that's trevenant so I don't think I've done that with Nidoqueen yet. So everything else I've I've uh, only got the XL, you know, level fifty version of it. This will be my last chance to use my Trevenant before I don't know. I've got to like trade it off, or uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll come in handy like as having break points in certain metas. I don't know. So maybe I'll keep it. Maybe it'll come in handy. And then one more week into the future, we will have Open Ultra League and the Holiday Cup Great League Edition. So be on the lookout for us to cover the Holiday Cup Great League and Ultra League after that uh, in future weeks. But for now, let's do a little self-check-in. We promised it last week. We promised some Ember Field and Vanguard Field discussions. So Fish, let's start off with the Ember Field. This is more of a traditional meta. I'll go through the Pokemon allowed. I'll go through the PV Poke top 10. And then you covered both of these metas in the five-minute meta discussions. You covered them mm-hmm. on Twitch and on YouTube. So I'll let you do more of the breakdowns. I'll set you up. I'll pitch. I'll, <laughs> I'll, throw, I'll throw the ball. You can knock it out of the park. Uh, so in Australia, where, where cricket is not baseball, so you have to bowl the ball. Is that all right? I guess. <laughs> i'd love to see any anyone who's seen a cricket game before i'd love to see DeFi like running up to the crease and pulling a cricket ball all right well the allowed species in the ember field all species with electric fire grass and ground typing are allowed also you can have alolan muck hisuian quillfish honchcrow machamp malamar polyrath primate and surfetched there are quite a few bands including any Pokemon with a Dragon Rock or Steel typing, as well as all Mud Boys. Mud Boys are water ground Pokemon. So your Swamperts, your Quagsires, those are banned. Species bands include Abomasnow, Diggersby, Dugtrio. Interesting. Lantern, <laughs> Nidoqueen, Ninetales, Pachirisu, Salazzle, Stunfisk, Whimsicott, as well as all Megas and all Shadow Pokemon are also banned. According to PV Poke, your top 10 species are going to be Gligar, noting that Gligar has to be a purified Gligar because you really want that return on it. Charizard, Moltres, Victini, Alolan Marowak, Gliscor, Hisuian Quillfish, 
Piloswine, Sunny Castform, and Tropius. So here were our thoughts when we did our breakdown of this video. Fire is absolutely the safest role to fill in this meta, uh, which makes sense being the Ember Cup. So there's very little viable water and rock damage running around. So you can feel free to run multiple fire Pokemon in your team. And there's there's different subtypings that you can go with as well. So there's Charizard with that wing attack. Now, it's important to note that Charizard is now a double legacy Pokemon because wing attack being a fast move is a legacy move and requires an elite TM. And you also most likely want Blast Burn as one of your charge moves with Dragon Claw as the other. So yeah, you'll probably need the two elite TMs to run a Charizard. Uh, there are other options like Moltres is also viable now with its own wing attack buff, sky attack, and I would actually, it says overheat as a second move. Ancient power is an option. I'm not saying it's the option, like you, you can find plenty of use for overheat, which just absolutely smacks, but because of the prevalence of fire Pokemon, Ancient Power could actually do very well. And with those buffed wing attacks, you're getting there quite quickly. Victini, as a psychic type fire Pokemon, has its own little niche as well. Alolan Marowak, so the ghost type fire Pokemon. And also you've got Litleo with new Incinerate. I'm keen to see someone start running that and making that work. Next, we do have a couple of Pokemon that are running water moves viably, and they are Hisuian Coolfish and Poliwrath. Now, Hisuian Coolfish is probably my favorite Pokemon in this cup. Maybe apart from Wing Attack Charizard, it's pretty close between those two. It's, it's kind of those two at the top of the meta for me. Wing Attack Charizard is also actually listed as the best pivot or safe switch by a mile. Hisuian Coolfish is second. So running those Aquatails and the Poison Jab, and you've got flexibility with the second move in Ice Beam or Shadow Ball or Dark Pulse, and they can all do different things. So it's really versatile in that way. Galvantula is a cool pick. It's got the electric moves to take on the Charizard and it's taking advantage of Charizard's wing attack because the wing attacks are doing neutral damage as opposed to fire spin, which would be super effective. So it's one rare situation where wing attack actually goes against the Charizard. It does technically beat Hisuian Coolfish, but with shields in play, Hisuian Quillfish can overcome that, so be careful of that. And also the Poliwrath is a good core breaker to Charizard and Hisuian Quillfish as well. Gligar. Now, DeFi mentioned it before. It needs return because it's otherwise its moveset is Wing Attack, Night Slash, and Dig. Dig is just not that viable. If you can't get yourself a purified Gligar with return, then I would recommend just going with Gliscor. Not quite as good. It's got Night Slash and Earthquake. And Earthquake does take a little while to build up to. But it's still it's still viable. It still does a very similar job. Still has the same typing defensively. One other thing that I noticed is Electivire. Now, Electivire is often a very hard Pokemon to run because it's so glassy. But it does make up for it with very very fast and very hard hitting moves like getting to a wild charge in 10 turns is crazy now in a lot of metas pokemon are 
bulky enough generally that they can kind of withstand the barrage of wild charges. And of course, with Thundershock, Electivire isn't providing too much fast move pressure as well. So you are relying on those wild charges. In this meta, I think you might be okay. I think it's glassy enough of a meta that the wild charges and ice punches are doing quite well, especially since like um like your bulkiest Pokemon are things like your Gligar, which will take double super effective damage from the ice punches anyway. So that's that's pretty much it. That's that's Ember Field in a nutshell for me. All right. Well, I definitely think you knocked it out of the park or whatever you would say in cricket. So you I'll can give knock you it out break. of the park in cricket. Yes, you get six runs for that. <laughs> Sure. (laughs) That's a whole game in baseball. So I'll give you a break here. Let's set up the Vanguard meta. So Vanguard Field goes away from that traditional Sylph-based meta where you have just your types and your bands. This is a slot-based meta based on four very famous trainers. Do you know which famous trainers these are, Fish? Uh, Are they in a particular generation? Yes. Like like one. They're all in one generation. Yes. Okay. Are they gym leaders? Technically, no. Technically, no. So are we talking the Alola region? No. Um, go go more OG. Go back oh, to your childhood okay. fish. Oh, yeah. Is it Gen 1? Yes. These are all trainers in Gen 1. Oh, okay. So the Elite Four. Yeah. Ah, okay. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, I didn't know that. So it was in the Sylph page, and it just says, based on four famous trainers. And then I looked at it, and I was like, ah, that's clever. I like it. So they didn't name who the trainers were. They just gave that clue, and you figured it out? Yes. Yeah, because that's, I mean, good on you. I I would not have. So before we get into that, a little bit further let's talk about just the general bands because that'll make it easier to talk about the rest of this because it's kind of a complicated meta you have to really sit down and do you know put the string on the board on the cork board to figure this one out general bands all dark fairy and steel types banned anything from gen seven to nine banned species bands include obama snow lantern metacham altaria and lantern also auroras Meteor Beam. Just we're smacking Auroras down, telling it to get out of here. You're not allowed. For your slot. So there are six slots to be filled on a team. Your first slot must be Ice or Water type. That's Lorelei from Gen 1 Elite 4. However, you cannot use Frostlast, Jellicent, Kingdra, or Polyrath in this slot one. But it can be any other Ice or Water type that doesn't go against the bands. Slot two, Fighting Ground or Rock. That's Bruno of the Kanto Elite Four. Slot three must be a Ghost or a Poison. That's Agatha. And then slot four must be Dragon or Flying, which is Lance. So there's your four famous trainers, the four members of the original Elite Four. Now you'll notice I only named four slots. That's because the fifth and the sixth slot are more like fillers. They're your catch-alls. They're your Gary Oaks. (laughs) Yes. They must be water, ground, rock, poison, or flying type. They cannot be ice fighting, ghost, or dragon. So you can double up on some of those types from earlier, which is pretty nice. 
PV Poke Top 10 for the Vanguard Field. Regirock at number one, followed by Mantine, newly buffed with Wing Attack. Also newly buffed with Wing Attack is Pidgeot and Pelipper, filling in slots two and three. Regice separates out Noctowl, another Wing Attacker. Then we have both Shadow and regular Wall Rain, Dugong, Shadow Zapdos, Celio, both the Shadow and regular, and Jellicent. How on earth did you tackle this metafish? It was interesting because once we did our breakdown on Palatown, like it all kind of clicked into place. Like talking it over with a friend is like, what? Okay, so I'll backtrack a little. I always say to people, just having conversations with people about PvP is the easiest, the most effective way to get better at the game. And so in this particular situation, that that's what happened. Like we were just talking about it and it all just kind of crystallized. So what I started with was slot four. Well, no, for a start, actually, Noctowl was the first Pokemon that we were looking at. We considered Noctowl to be just the best Pokemon in the meta. And Noctowl can only be picked in slot four, your dragon and flying typing, or slot five as your catch-all typing. Now, we decided it was better to keep it as a slot five pick because in slot four, there's actually not that many options. You've got like Pelipper, which is, you know, busted. But we were actually looking more at the dragon types because with no fairy and no steel allowed at all in the cup, Dragons become very, very safe. And Shadow Dragonair in particular is like one of my favorite pivot Pokemon. It's so devastating with its dragon breath, consistent dragon breath damage, that it can do things like beating Frostlass with shields, which is crazy, right? So when I built my Vanguard team, I started with that slot four with Shadow Dragonair. You've also got like Dragalge is another option. But yeah, that's how I thought about that. Then we've got the Noctowl as one of your slot five picks. After that, you've got the ghosts in slot three. And the ghosts are just as safe in my mind as the dragons because there's no dark types allowed either. Oh, and it just hit me. Steel, fairy, dark, the types that weren't allowed in Gen 1. That, that that weren't around in Gen 1. It's very creative. <laughs> yeah. I like this cup. Yeah. So it's uh, kind of like a retro cup. It's, yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so the ghosts are super safe. And in slot three, the biggest three ghosts are Frostlass, Jellicent, and Cofagrigus. Sylph have been pretty clever in that they banned Jellicent and Frostlass from slot one. So you can't pick them as your gen one ice and water types you have to pick it in slot three if at all and so basically i i narrowed it down to those three pokemon they've each got their own advantages so for example jellicent does very very well against a wall rain which is a very prominent pick in slot one frostlass will do very well against a noctowl which is worth noting and cofagrigus does great against the other ghosts so They've each got advantages, and they've got more advantages as well, which you can discover if you do your own research into the meta. So that covers slot four, slot three, and one of the slot five picks. Let's move on to slot one. And there's different options here, depending on what you want to do. There's kind of the biggest two for me, 
were Pelipper, which, like I've mentioned, is a fantastic pivot now with its super spammy weather balls and that hard-hitting hurricane, which it gets to a lot quicker now. Or Walrain. Walrain is a fantastic anti-flyer. There are other options in the anti-flyer category. Um, Celio is an interesting one because it beats Noctow, but it also beats Walrain as well. So I might consider actually running a Celio over a Walrain. Um, it also beats the Pelipper as well, so it is a genuine anti-flyer. It will struggle a lot more against a Jellicent or a Frostlass. So that's the disadvantage of the Celio. Then you've got Regice, and that and Regirock in slot two, they both, I think, will do very well. I mean, they're in the Poke top 10 for a reason. They've got such a great set of moves for this meta. All of those moves are very practical with the types and the Pokemon that are prominent. So Regice, you would probably want to gravitate towards Thunder and Blizzard, and Regirock you would, of course, have Stone Edge, and we're thinking Focus Blast is the better second move there, or it knows Zap Cannon as well, which, which I mean, you know, we all know what Zap Cannon does <laughs> on Registeel, right? Finally, we've got the Fighters. Now, the Fighters are going to struggle to find a place in the meta because of the prominence of Ghosts and Flyers. But if you can find a spot for them, they do have a use such as being an anti-anti-flyer. <laughs> like, they'll beat your Regirocks, your Regice, your Walrein, your Celio. So that, there can be a bit of a triangle that develops there. And uh, I haven't gone as far as to look at what can break that triangle core. But if you can find something that beats all three of those roles, then I think you'll be in a very good spot in Vanguard Cup. So DeFi... I've done enough talking. What meta are you playing in for factions this cycle? And what are you running in that meta? Well, Fish, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to use any of that information you just provided for this week because I will not be running in the Embered field or the Vanguard field. I'm actually going to do Open Great League this week. My re most restricted pick, my S-tier restricted pick is Sableye. I really love my purified Sableye. I love every opportunity I get to use it. Then I have Venusaur and Lantern as my A-tier restricted picks. And then I filled out my team with Frostlass, Surfetched, and Mantine. And Fish, I really just go for when I build a team. I look for balance. I look for coverage. And my team has really, really solid coverage against the core meta. I'm pretty happy with it that way. And I try to go for some bulk, but the teams I run tend to be pretty glassy. So your Sableye, your Mantines, Surfetch, Frostlass, a lot of my Pokemon don't have much bulk to them, but I have a lot of coverage, tends to be how I build my teams. Interesting with the Surfetch. So why, what, um, what's, what's Surfetch's role on the, that's a hard word to say. What's Surfetch's role on the team? Just to be able to fight back against some of the bulkier Pokemon in the open Great League. I wanted to have a counter user, but I didn't want to use my S and A steer restricted picks on something like a Metacham mm -hmm. or a Scrafty. I wanted to use my S and A restricted picks for other things. So I decided to go for a counter user that was outside of those restricted picks. And I really like Surfetched. It has a lot of versatility in the charge moves that it has. 
So what's really nice in factions is that you can see your opponent's team and then pick your moves. So I can look at my opponent's team and pick my charge moves from there. And Surfetched has a couple few really good options. And I like that combination of the uh, Venusaur Lantern because, you know, it's um, Venusaur wins some things that you wouldn't expect it to. But then also, you know, with the prominence of flyers, like Lantern is going to cover, you know, it's going to be a fantastic bodyguard for Venusaur as well. Yeah, I am really excited to try this team out. I tend to vary up my teams week to week. I don't really stick with the same team more than once, but we'll see how this goes and then we'll develop from there throughout the cycle. All right, so we are up to our play Pokemon section, and we had a big old weekend last week. We had the Stuttgart Championships, Brisbane, and Toronto. Yes, so let's go ahead and get into Stuttgart first. So Stuttgart in Germany occurred over the 3rd and 4th of December this last weekend. 78 players played, which is pretty fantastic. It was streamed, and I loved seeing two female casters for Stuttgart. We had Nimue and we had Lundberger casting. And we can talk about the teams a little bit and some of the usage stats. Our winner was Me Weedle for the championship for Stuttgart. Me Weedle, I think, was going to get an invite anyway, potentially, as being the winner of the the first and only juniors division <laughs> champion for Pokemon yep. Go. Me Weedle ran two wing attackers, Mantine and Noctowl, which was pretty great. A couple other notable teams, we had Pokesquark as the regional runner-up, who had Mew, as well as Noctowl. Noctowl's just everywhere. Noctowl's pretty consistent. Really love Inadequence's team, having a Jump Pluff and a Dunsparce in the top three of this tournament. So, big fan of that. That was great. Mm-hmm. A lot of the rest of the top eight, pretty standard picks. I think Glycecore as well, being in a team in the top eight, was pretty great. Umbreon has started to kind of make its appearance as well in the Play Pokemon circuit, as well as Shadow Abomasnow I've seen more than once now. I'm not surprised about, like, I, I would actually expect Umbreon to get a lot more play now because not only was charm nerfed just a little bit but also kind of fighters as well just because of the prominence of wing attack users now so like it's it's going to be hard to run fighters you can see there are still some meta champs on this list in fact there are a fair few meta champs but it's they're harder to run now because of all the other stuff just to wrap up Suitgart, we had me weedle in the winner side of the bracket facing Pokesquark. In the loser's bracket, Pokesquark did achieve a bracket reset to attempt to take down Me Weedle, but Me Weedle emerged victorious at the end, uh, defeating Pokesquark for the title of regional champion. Then we can move, go ahead and move on to Brisbane in Australia, which I know Lachlan was a participant at. Brisbane, that took place just on December 3rd with 31 players. Which is good. I didn't expect that many, to be honest, with such short notice and with the... Uh, <laughs> I was hearing... So I uh, mentioned that uh, flights for me would have been ridiculously expensive. I don't necessarily know why, but like flights from the eastern seaboard cities were absolutely not that bad. So like uh, I was I was telling you know, Australian friends of mine, yeah, like flights would have been a thousand dollars. I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, justify that. And they were like a thousand bucks. I got flights and accommodation for like 800. 
It's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you just get really sports. unlucky with flights. Yeah. But let's talk Brisbane. So Valiant Vish is the regional champion of Brisbane, took on Fishy Legs in the grand finals. Valiant Vish's team, pretty standard meta at this point. Noctowl, Lickitung, Metacham, Frostlass, Swampert, and Registeel. Fishy Legs being the runner-up ran Noctowl, Alolan Ninetales, Purified Sableye, Lantern, Metacham, and Galarian Stunfisk. Again, nothing too crazy. Beats Boy, who finished in third place, ran a Toxapex. A couple other things. Seeing, again, that Pelipper. Very interesting to start seeing those wing attackers up in uh, the top of this meta again. But overall, just seeing a lot of Frostlass, Toxapex, Pelipper, some Mandibuzz, Trevenant, Azumarill. Lots pretty standard meta here in Brisbane. Unfortunately, Lachlan did not place into our top eight. Unfortunate. I wanted to see yeah. XL Volaby just kind of take <laughs> the world by storm. Uh, he won his first match, but then lost his next two. Apparently, he his, his second loss was against Rick Flareon, who was the winner of the Melbourne Championships last season. So he didn't have a a good run, but like he he had fun. He enjoyed himself. That's that's the main thing, right? Exactly. These tournaments are a blast. I highly recommend going, and we'll talk about some of the ones you can go to coming up here. But first, let's talk about the biggest tournament of the weekend, Toronto, Canada, 3rd or 4th of December again, 107 players at Toronto. So let's go ahead and talk about this top cut bracket. We had Magic Mason as our grand champion in Toronto. Had to take down Brown Baller in the loser's bracket. Brown Baller did achieve a bracket reset, but then Magic Mason emerged victorious there. What I love about this story is that Magic Mason and Brown Baller carpooled to (laughs) Toronto. I did not know that. They got to drive up together. They also had the same team they had they ran the exact same team if you take a look the team for the top two exactly the same was noctowl trevenant metacham lantern umbreon and galarian stunfisk the only difference was the moveset on metacham but that was clearly the meta team Mm -hmm. that was the team to beat the whole weekend so very very interesting to see how these battlers who are both incredibly skilled were able to compete against each other in that final matchup overall though lots of really standard meta in the top eight again lots of frost last meta sham knock towel we saw a toxapex in the top eight shadow lapras shadow ninetales shadow venusaur for all from gordon the flash which was pretty crazy half the team using shadow pokemon shadow drapion from hot pocket who made a top eight finish as well so massive tournaments this weekend so what's up next i hear you asking into your airpods that's weird don't talk to yourself uh arlington texas is on december 16th to 18th so close to christmas DeFi. that uh, i wonder how that will affect things oh maybe people going home for the holiday have some extra time off and can make it swing it into Arlington, which is right next to Dallas, Texas, one of the largest cities in the United States. Mm -hmm. There are still spots available for Arlington. Last check, there was about 40 spots or so left. After that, we have San Diego, California from January 6th to 8th. That is sold out. So that got capped at 128 registered Pokemon Go players. That is going to be a massive 
tournament overall because that is the tournament where the VGC, the video game competitive, will start back up. It's been on pause since Scarlet and Violet came out, and that'll be the first weekend of Scarlet and Violet VGC. Mm-hmm. So that tournament is going to be actually insane. I'm <laughs> really looking forward uh, to hearing more about it. I would love to learn a little bit about VGC. Then looking ahead a little bit further in January, we have Liverpool. Registrations are open for Liverpool. There are over 100 players registered at this point, but I believe that one is not capped at 128 for Liverpool. I think they can go more. So if you are interested, if you are in the Liverpool area, I would highly recommend going to that tournament. So that's it for the Play Pokemon section. Now for some shameless plugs. DeFi, what have you got to plug? Just a couple quick things going on. I will be on Go Battle Nights with SosaFlow over on his new channel, which is the Poke Battle Network. So be sure to check that out. I will be streaming that tomorrow evening. So you'll have to check the YouTube video out for that. So be on the lookout. I think there's going to be another fairly popular YouTuber on there with me that I'm pretty excited to cast with. So be sure to check out the YouTube video for that. Intriguing. Then a little bit of streaming for me. I'm looking to get back into streaming my Go Battle sets alongside of Pokemon Violet version. I finished my Scarlet playthrough. Personally, I just binged the game, played the entire weekend of release. And now I'm going to do a much slower, deliberate playthrough on Violet version on stream. So if you want to check that out, twitch.tv slash DeFi250. Also, in you know, we always plug our links at the end, so be sure to listen for that. Also, just again, be on the lookout on my socials for any updates for when I'm casting for Play Pokemon. And for me, I am going to be making an appearance on the After Dark Rye podcast with Breaker, who you would have heard on this podcast as a guest just a few weeks ago, and Gracie as well, who people who are longtime listeners might remember was the first ever guest we had on the PvP Corner segment. So I'm going to be appearing with them, and it was a ball recording with them. It always is a ball recording with them. I do have to warn you, it's an explicit podcast. It's not for kids, so... Be warned, but be on the lookout for that on Tuesday. And for those who haven't been listening to the podcast for a long time, I help run a PvP community. We, we call ourselves just a community. It's called Palatown PvP, and we have content on YouTube. We've, we've been talking about it throughout the segment. Uh, we've got Twitch streams, well, I mean, and YouTube streams as well. We've got a Discord server as well where it's it's been popping off lately i'm really happy with how much the discussion is happening on you know teams that are working and and how to run them so you can check all those out we do have links in the show notes speaking of which we love hearing your feedback so if you have any suggestions or questions for us to address on the show you can direct them to pvpcorner at gocastpodcast.com you can send us voicemail or physical mail to the GoCast PO box, which Chris talks about at the end of the show. And in the description, you can find the more fish or more DeFi links, which will take you to all of our other projects and ways to get in touch. And in the meantime, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much to you, Fish and DeFi E, for yet another wonderful PvP corner segment. All right, so I, I've still completely lost my place in this show, unfortunately. Um, 
But uh, Tyler, are, are you any good with directions? Can you tell us what section this is? Is it time for emails? Oh, it is. Thank you. Yeah, you got that just right. Oh, I feel, I feel corrected now. My course is correct now. Awesome. Uh, so we've got one voicemail and several emails. Let's start with the voicemail. This one's from Travis. Hello, this is Travis Rawlings. I was wondering about, because I've listened to your podcast for a while. Um, is it worth it to get, use money to buy eggs because, or incubators for the eggs? Because I work, I'm 16, but I don't make a lot of money. And I'm just wondering if eggs were really worth it. All right, bye. It's a very fair question. So Travis, I feel like the only person that can answer this question is you. Uh, you know, whether you are playing to fill out your Pokedex or to shiny hunt or to target specific Pokemon, depending on the answers to those questions, will answer whether or not it's it's worth it buying incubators. But I'll go out on a limb and say that if you have limited funds, incubators, especially now are probably not worth the money. The value rebalance that Niantic did recently made it kind of difficult to justify, I think. Uh, but, I, you know, this is from an egg hatcher perspective. Tyler, what are you thinking? You hatch a lot of eggs as well. What are your thoughts here? I just ran out of all my incubators and I don't plan on buying any more soon unless there's like a nice deal going on. But right now I'm committed to that single incubator grind. Wow. I, I respect that. Yeah. Hopefully we get a good December box. We've, we've gotten some good ones historically in the past, but you know, this is post again, that value rebalance. So I guess we'll see, but thank you very much for calling in Travis. Uh, I know that wasn't exactly helpful, but I hope it was in some way. Okay. We've got a bunch of emails. This first one is from a Vincent and uh, asked that this be read in a Hulk Hogan voice. So I'll do my best. <clears throat> Hey, brothers, Gato Del Fuego here. Been listening for two years now, dudes. Thought I'd send an email to my favorite two catamaniacs out here. If dudes were a gym trainer, what would be your ace Pokemon? Mine would be Incineroar, Jack. Love that podcast, dudes. And let Catamania run wild on you. Is that good enough? That was pretty all right. Okay. I think I lost steam halfway through there, but the effort <laughs> was there, friends. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I, I believe the question, now that now that I've come from my, my blackout of becoming Hulk Hogan for some reason, uh, if, if we were to be gym leaders, uh, who would be our ace Pokemon? I feel like I have to go with one of the OGs and just pick Charizard. But I'd be a Dragon-type gym trainer, but with a Charizard to switch it up. Dragon's your favorite typing? Yes, dragon's my favorite typing. Okay, so yeah, you can get away with Charizard. Absolutely. Charizard knows a bunch of dragon moves too, you know? Yeah. It's all good. It's all good in the hood. Uh, for myself, I would be running a bug gym, much to my own detriment. And I think probably my ace would be something that gives me a little bit more coverage against flying types and fire types and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it's it's a bummer because I can't go like Caesar because they'll just melt. <laughs> you know i guess it would be like a heracross something like that my bug unfortunately doesn't have a lot of options but i guess if i was just going based on pokemon that i really really like myself and i was able to terratype it to something that was legitimate it would of course be a caesar you know 
it's hard for me because I don't know if I'd like Cleavor more than Caesar now anymore because Cleavor is pretty cool. <laughs> so what is that? Is that Rockbug? Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the rock version of that from um, Arceus. Rockbug, good Pokemon. Uh, anyway, Vincent, thank you very much for that uh, email. Hope it'll be answered appropriately. Appreciate it. This one is from an anonymous. Hello, Kyle and Chris. Sorry, Kyle's not here. I have just recently joined this game around September, and I am level 31. It seems to me like all of the people in this area are adults, and I am in middle school. I only play around an hour a day and never spend any money. I don't have a huge focus on anything in particular, just getting cool and big Pokemon. I never bother with IVs, although my twin obsesses over them. I am kind of sending this email as an experiment, although I do have a question regarding this upcoming December Community Day. Which Pokemon, or two or three, should I focus on? I only really got good Community Day Dragonites and Teddy Ursus. Thank you so much, and sorry for the long email. Is that a running joke? <laughs> I'm trying to stay anonymous, if that's all right, but I love your podcast. Thanks a ton. Uh, it is a running joke. It's become my favorite running joke. But yeah, besides Rutinis and Teddy Ursas, you know, like we were saying before, get those Bulbasaur's, get that Frenzy Plant on your Venusaur. What are some of the other ones? The you want to catch as many? Yeah, you want to get a Brutal Swing and Hydreigon. That's right. And let's see, I'm I'm scrolling up to see the list again. Chandelure's a good. Chandelure's a good Pokemon, but the the move is not necessarily right, yeah. worth it. Yeah, You're right. but, but Chandelure's is top all the same. It didn't even need the move. Gigalith. Gigalith. If you need good rock type DPS, especially if you're not running six Tyranitars deep, right? Uh, getting a Gigalith with Meteor Beam is good. And Wall Rain is good. Swampert. There you go. That's the other one. So half of them. <laughs> Two or three. Here's five. Hope that's fine. <laughs> also, I'm not entirely sure what you meant by experiment by sending it in, but I hope that we passed. I'm not sure. Uh, but thanks very much for writing. Appreciate it. This next one's from Guilherme. Hey, Chris and Kyle. Sorry, Kyle's not here. I just wanted to say that I'm a semi-new listener of the podcast, and I must say that the two of you make my walk to college much more enjoyable. I managed to convince my mom, aunt, and cousin, who's only six years old, to join the hunt for some mods, and this resulted in my mom surpassing me in terms of experience. Oh, no. She keeps telling me I'm the underdog of the family due to that, but then I like to remind her of the fact that she purified her shadow Mewtwo, LOL. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> Since you guys do goals for each week, might as well do those as well. My goals for this week are as follows. Reach level 36, evolve my Phoebus, and catch at least one new shiny, as I've been a bit dry on shiny luck lately. I guess this is where I should say sorry for the long email, but that would only make it longer. <laughs> true. True, true, true. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't matter how much experience you have. If you purified your Shadow Mewtwo, you're not experienced enough, in my opinion. True. But go easy on your mom. That's not that's not cool, man. Celebrate the win. <laughs> yeah. I love that you are able to play with your family. I I am very lucky that I get to hang out with my sister and play every once in a while. It's a neat thing for sure. Um, and good luck on reaching level 36. Thanks for writing in. The next one is from Bobby. Hey guys, I just recently started listening to the show a few months back. I never got to experience a paid event. I usually just wait for the free events and grind those out. Back when Kanto and Johto tour events came out, I wasn't playing at the time. I was sad to have missed shiny Mew research, but I did get the shiny Celebri research. I was expecting a bit more from Hoenn tour in general, 
Come on, man. Where's the Reggies? My boy Rayquaza needs to have True. his moment again. I will still play the free event and probably get the masterwork research. Hope more spoiled before then. Shiny vibes and shadow shiny vibes. Shadow all. shiny vibes. All oh, wow. It's a whole oh, new level. Boy, Bobby raising the bar here. Also, I do hope that more is spoiled before then as well. <laughs> Personally. <laughs> But yeah, now that Kyle pointed out last week that there was no Reggie's and that Rayquaza was not really involved at all, I, I'm also a little upset about that. That stinks. Yeah, the Reggie's would be nice to have again, but I think I'm Rayquaza'd out. Really? I have three hundos. Oh, okay. Two shinies. Right, that's fair enough. Like, you have three hundos. I get that. But I feel like I feel like if you said I'm Rayquaza'd out, most people would disagree with that. Fair, fair. Because I think people really want to grind it forever, and it's like a fan favorite. It's like saying you don't want to raid a Mewtwo anymore. All right, you convinced me. Bring Rayquaza in. <laughs> Let's go. Easy peasy. <laughs> uh, thanks for the email, Bobby. Appreciate it. This last one is from Illusion. Dear Chris and Kyle, hi, GoCast crew. I'm a relatively new listener, but I really enjoy your podcast. I started playing two and a half months ago, and now I'm level 31. Wow, everybody's so fast at this game now. I'm so impressed by how many people that ride in. Like, I just started playing level 31. It's crazy. I have around 20 shinies and three hundos. I don't spend money on Pokemon Go because I'm a broke 13-year-old. Should I buy remote raid passes for Mega Raids or five-star raids? If not, what should I spend my Pokecoins on? Also, is XL Candy that important? Shiny vibes all and have a nice day. P.S. My first shiny was a Eveltal. My hundos are Galarian Rapidash, Purified Cacturn, and Metacham. Oh, that's a cool collection of hundos. That's for sure. Okay, so yet, yet again, we were facing this question of what is worth my time? What is worth my money? What is worth value in this game right now, especially, you know, if you're at level 31? Uh, I'm going to weigh in on the remote raid passes for mega raids or five star raids. I think once you've gotten the one mega evolution down, like enough energy for it, then I would stop doing that one. And do do the waiting for the rotation to get the mastery on your mega levels with that Pokemon so that you can work towards just getting it to that maximum mega level and get lots of free value out of that, essentially. Beyond that, I mean, your remote raid passes would be mostly best for five star raids because that's what you're going to get the most, you know, bang for your literal buck out of that, right? And if you weren't interested in raiding, I'm not entirely sure what else you'd spend your Pokecoins on. What do you think, Tyler? If you're not interested in raids, I would try to save your Pokecoins until you can get a bundle and get multiple things. It's just a, sh it's just a shame that there's not that many good bundles at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be a pretty safe bet to tell people that, oh yeah, just save and then wait for December or something and, and see what those bundles are. But I'm getting nervous this year. It's Christmas. They got to give us something nice, right? We've been good all year. Have we been good all year? I don't know. If we ask their social media people, the ones that read all those tweets, I don't know if they'd agree. <laughs> Twitter's just a vocal minority. There's some good Pokemon players out there. They, they do exist. That's true. I've met several of them. They're they're pretty cool. Uh, but to go on from this, also, is XL Candy that important? It is really important. But I would also say at the same time, don't stress it. Agreed. If you're looking to build raid counters, the ones that are level 40 are, are fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, you don't need to get them up to, to max level in order for them to be useful. The ones that are truly useful are useful 20 power-ups down, right? No big deal. Any thoughts on XL candy outside of that? What about XL rare candy? That wasn't the question that was asked here, Tyler, but 
with with Rare Candy XL, you have any thoughts about that? What's your strategy there? Uh, save until I need it. <laughs> What's an example of you needing it? Maybe if I s- want to start participating in Master League and need some XL candy to power up a legendary, definitely want to use XL rare candy on legendaries because it takes 20 kilometers just to walk. I very much agree. Yeah, I think the only thing I've used can- rare candy XL on recently has been my Dialga that I didn't have enough to max out my Hundo Dialga. And I'm like, come on, dude, you're so close. Let's go. And I spent more than I probably should have. But don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do with your rare candy. I think that's the moral of the story. Do what makes you happy. What sparks joy, you know? All right. Well, thank you very much for the email there, Illusion. Thank you, everybody that wrote in. If you, dear listener, would like to send us an email just like these fine folks did, you can by sending it along to mail at gocastpodcast.com. You can also leave us a voicemail like Travis did this week by calling 262-586-7717 and leaving a voicemail. I think three minutes is the limit. I I still haven't confirmed that. But you can also, if you're overseas and would rather not call, uh, just email us an audio file. No big deal. I'll take care of it from there. Visit our website, gocastpodcast.com, for all things GoCastPodcast. Follow us on Twitter, at GoCastPodcast. If you'd like to help support the show, you can via Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash GoCastPodcast. It won't kill you. Tyler is living proof. He's been a patron for a while and he's still among the living. <laughs> it's been a long time. It has been. How long have you been a patron? Uh, I don't remember that, actually. Oh, man. it's, it's It was pretty close to the beginning, like when we start, first started having Patreon available. Oh, it says I've been a member since January 30th, 2019. Wow. Let's do a Hoenn-related celebration in Vegas. Ready? Ready. That sounds good. Cool. Uh, But shout-outs to our elite trainer tier patrons. Uh, Tyler, do you want to give this a whirl? I can go for it. Heck yeah. Shout-outs to Bo, Daniel, Andrew, Lori, Michael, Ozzy, Ted, Tish, Ben, Marvin and Mimi, Sports, Hesui and Ryan, Thayer, Jason, Justin, Charles, Modders, Lee, William, Brandon, Ethan, and Stephen. Wow. That was, a, that was good, clean, a good, clean run. I don't even have to edit that. You're putting me and Kyle to shame right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, shout out to all of our Elite Trainer Tier patrons that were just listed by Tyler. Thank you so, so much for helping us keep the digital lights on. Uh, and if you'd like to help support the show in another way, you can, of course, leave us a review wherever reviews are able to be left. It helps us out immensely. It really, really does. Uh, but I think the only thing left to do is to set some goals and then get on out of here. Kyle is not here, but uh, regardless, we would have made Tyler set some goals anyway. So with the uh, Mystic Blade ticketed experience ahead of us this weekend, Tyler, what are you thinking of accomplishing? All right, we're going to finish the Kodia research. I want to work on my Megas, so I want to make sure I Mega Evolve every day. And I want to do all of my GBL sets. Wow. How long does it take you to finish a GBL set on average? Uh, I couldn't tell you because I don't do it that often. Oh, okay. All right. So this is you're going to be pushing for like a new pattern of behavior. Right. Oh, good luck. Good luck. It's time consuming, but you know people do do it. Um, people that we know do it. <laughs> so it's, it must be doable. Awesome. Cool. Uh, for myself, I'm going to also aim for finishing the Keldeal research, uh, hatch 50 eggs, and any two shinies. Just any of them. Doesn't matter what they are. Just be kind of nice to have. 
and uh, I'll follow up with Kyle and see what his goals are. And uh, if he's around, if he's available next week, then we'll we'll talk about goals then. But until then, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Tyler, thank you so much for stepping in. It was wonderful to get to do some like one-on-one podcasting here for once. Yeah, it was fun. I'll be back anytime. All right. Kyle appreciates it. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. You're the best. All right, dear listener, thanks so much. We'll see you in the next episode. It'll be 218. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.